time for you to join in with us on this new song. We will have the words for you up on the screen.
The scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, verses 29 through 42. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I never know what's going to be behind me. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. John the baptizer scares me. Always has. Some people refer to him as John the Baptist, though we cannot be certain of his denominational affiliation. He may have been Lutheran. One thing we know for sure, he was not Methodist. He was far too unsophisticated for Methodism. There was his wardrobe to begin with. In Matthew chapter 3, we read, John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And then there was his diet. His food was locusts and wild honey. Yuck! Sort of a first century Ewell Gibbons, Bear Grylls, Survivor Man type character. And don't you get the idea? He was always yelling. It's like your junior high vice principal who also coached the track team and had chronic indigestion so that he was popping Rolaids like Tic Tacs. Not that I had anyone particular in mind. (laughs) It's just that John was such a prophet, a formidable presence from the beginning. 
from before the beginning. When Mary learned that she would give birth to Jesus through a God miracle, she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was carrying John at the time. Luke 1.41 says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. John was a prophet even in utero. John came of age in the Judean desert, possibly hanging out with the Qumran Essene community, whose legacy includes the Dead Sea Scrolls. He charged out of the wilderness with a one-point sermon echoing across the Jordan Valley. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Maybe out of curiosity, the people of Jerusalem and Judea flocked to see and hear John, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John was a prophet foretold by prophets. He was the one Isaiah described as the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. He prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized Jesus, though he tried to defer to him, saying, it is I who should be baptized by you. And as we heard Becky read a few moments ago, he identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world testifying that he was the Son of God. As we also heard this morning, two of John's disciples, upon his testimony, left to follow Jesus. One of those two was Andrew, who recruited his brother Simon with the declaration, We have found the Messiah. John didn't do anything halfway. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to visit one of his services, he gave them quite a greeting. You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Imagine what he might have said if he wasn't addressing the religious crowd. When John called out Herod for inappropriate relationship with his sister-in-law, he set himself on a collision course with the rich and the powerful. That's the thing about John. He could not keep quiet in the face of sin. And in the end, it cost him his head. John forfeited his life because he would not be silent when he saw things that were wrong. And Jesus eulogized him as a prophet and more. Prophets like John help us find our way in the world. They throw cold water and hard sayings in our face, forcing us to take stock of our lives and of the world around us. The Hebrew word for prophet is navi, which literally translated means mouthpiece or spokesperson. 
for God. But how do we know who is a prophet and who is not? How can we tell when someone is legitimately speaking on behalf of God and when they're just plain crazy? Defining what a prophet is is risky business, so it might help to start with what a prophet is not. A prophet is not a soothsayer who predicts the future. That said, some prophets do foretell. They extrapolate the trajectory of a person or a people and they describe the likely, if not the inevitable, consequences. For example, Jeremiah foretells the word of God to Judah. Judah's sin is engraved with an iron pen. Therefore, you will lose the inheritance that I gave you. I will make you slaves of your enemies in a land you don't know, for my anger blazes like a fire that won't go out. He was right. John Woolman, the colonial Quaker, travels throughout the South urging members of the Society of Friends to free their slaves a century before emancipation warning that refusal to do so would result in a broken nation. He was right. Some prophets foretell the word of God. They apply the biblical standard to the reality they see, and they challenge the status quo. Amos speaks of the word of the Lord as a plumb line. A plumb line, or sometimes called a plumb bob, is a string with a weight on the end hung to provide a reference for bricklayers and other people in construction work. You might also use a level to determine that the project you're working on is on the level horizontally and plumb vertically. Prophets don't just deliver bad news. Sometimes the prophet brings a word of hope in a time of trouble. As when Ezekiel promised the renewal of the nation. And Jeremiah was so confident in God's eventual restoration of Judah that he invested in land even while the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. Sometimes, the only way through a bad situation is for God to do a completely new thing. In the 49th chapter of Isaiah, the prophet hears the word of the Lord calling him to be a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Prophetic light. What does a light do? A light illuminates so we can see better. A light shining from a lighthouse 
warn ships away from danger. A light turned on in the kitchen in the middle of the night makes all the buds squirry back into their nooks and crannies. A light in your hand enables you to see the path in front of you. And lights on the front of your car show you the twists and the turns, even potential hazardous conditions in the road ahead. That prophetic light shines to show, like a plumb line, where scriptural standards and the status quo are or are not in alignment. Where the way of the word and the way of the world may not be quite in sync. Where biblical obedience demands disobedience to conventional wisdom. Didn't prophetic light shine when Rosa Parks refused to move to the back of the Cleveland Avenue bus in Montgomery, Alabama on December 1st, 1955? Wasn't it prophetic light that guided a 26-year-old preacher by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. as the newly elected president of the Montgomery Improvement Association to lead the way to an important victory in this nation's ongoing civil rights movement? As Dr. King followed the light that guided him from Montgomery to Selma to Birmingham to the Poor People's March in Washington and eventually to Memphis. The life and the work that we commemorate in tomorrow's federal holiday marks him as an historical figure. And yet, in his own view, He was simply following the teachings of Jesus. And that's the dangerous part for all of us, isn't it? What if I shine that prophetic light on a situation at work where somebody is taking advantage of a co-worker or being dishonest with a customer? If I speak out, I could be the one who ends up getting in trouble. What if that prophetic light hits me right in the eyes when a friend points out to me that there is an aspect of my life that isn't aligned too well with the scriptural standard? Do I explain how my friend is well-meaning but misguided? Or do I thank my friend for showing me where I wandered off the path and shining a light to help me find my way back? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Ezekiel, Hosea, all the biblical prophets had tough jobs to do. 
Rosa Parks, and Dr. King. We honor their memories, but they didn't win many popularity contests when they were shining prophetic light around. Even John's not that scary when you listen to Jesus. John said, the kingdom of God is on its way. Get ready. Jesus said, the kingdom is already here. Live like you believe it. John Dominic Crossan wrote that when Jesus said that the kingdom of God is here, he meant something like this. Heal those who are hurting. And then eat with those who are healed. And out of the healing and out of the eating will come a new community. When we accept Jesus' invitation to discipleship, as Andrew and Simon did in the reading today from the scripture story, we become part of that new community. Jesus, in fact, gave Simon a new name. The most accurate translation of which is Rocky. Petra, from which we get Peter, is from the same Greek root as petrified, which we also understand Peter was from time to time. Perhaps we can relate. But Jesus also said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When we accept the invitation to discipleship, we become light bearers called to show God's amazing grace to those who are struggling to find the path or who have strayed from it and need someone to shed a little light to help them find their way back. called to risk being laughed at or scorned or perhaps worst of all, ignored. When we hold up that light to show the way that we are called to live compared with the way we're really living, called to shed a little prophetic light everywhere we go. Let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King and recognize that there are ties between us, all men and women living on the earth, ties of hope and love, sister and brotherhood, that we are bound in which our children can grow free and strong. 
There is a feeling like the clenching of a fist. There is a hunger in the center of the chest. There is a passage through the darkness and the mist. And though the body sleeps, the heart will never rest. Let's go forth with open hearts, guided by the generous grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit to share the love and the light of Christ. Amen. listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, 
visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.